You're listening to The Essentials. The Essentials is a developmental podcast of the Eastern PA District of the Alliance. We develop kingdom workers for increasing gospel impact. With The Essentials, we invite you to be part of a conversation that asks the core question, what is essential in church ministry? Here's your host, David Dixon, with Nate Howard and Alan Rathbun. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to The Essentials Podcast. Uh, Nate, Allen, and I look forward to continuing this conversation with you about what is essential in church ministry. Again, our hope with this podcast is that this would be a conversation that you listen to now, uh, but also interact with others about later. So really, our dream for this is that uh, what we're talking about here will become part of the conversation in your church or ministry. So last time we were together, we ended our conversation uh, around this idea of what is essential in church ministry. Uh, And if you missed kind of what we talked about, you can always go back and listen to that first episode. And if you did, we didn't uh, if you did not, we'd encourage you to do that. But as we ended with that question, what is the essential end of church ministry? I think it's important for us as we get started today to define again what we mean by that, but to start by looking at what it's not before shifting to what we believe it is. Yeah, I think that the uh, the whole idea of the phrase an essential end is not probably common language for most of us. Um, So that's why I think it's important just to know what we're talking about when we talk about the essential end. So I think about it in a couple ways. Um, One is the essential end is what everything that we do points towards. It's it's what everything finds its culmination in. Um, Another way to look at it is our, our essential end is the single identifiable ultimate outcome that we are aiming for um, in our church ministry. And and when you think of it in that way, um, each one of those sections, single, identifiable, and ultimate, that can start to uh, help us get clarity of what is not the essential end of church ministry. So if it's not singular, if it's like we're shotgun, we do it all, then probably we might need to think through what is our essential end. If it's not identifiable, for example, um, uh, well, here we love God. Well, how would you even know if you're doing that? Or here we're about the glory of God. Like, great, but what does that mean? How would you identify that? Um, and is it ultimate? Is it something that is worthy of what we're giving ourselves to? Those are the, some of the things around this definition of essential end that I think we need to keep in mind. And uh, there's many things that um, easily can kind of step in as a substitute for what would be the essential end of ministry. Can you guys think of any substitutes of what can step in and, and act as if it's the ultimate end of, of church ministry? Well, yeah, for sure, you know, people can really have a morality that's like if you just keep the do's and don'ts and um, it just, you know, you follow the rules, then that's an essential end and, and then you belong here if you keep those rules. Well, even last time we talked about the idea of like survival being an end, right, where we just say everything is about surviving. So we've got to do this, this and this. Otherwise, we won't make it. Yeah, or like even church attendance, that can be like, as long as our numbers are good and we've got enough people there on Sunday morning, 
that's kind of like what it's all about. That's that's what we feel is our ultimate is like increased numbers. But really, is it? Is that really what we're about? And what kind of people are those people that are gathered? If if there's no if there's nothing that's unique or beautiful about their life, just that they gather on Sunday morning, does that make us feel like we've reached our essential end? And I think there's also that um, sense of, I mean, I think we all fall into this trap of just comparing ourselves to the church down the street. You know, are, are we keeping up with the Joneses in the church ministry world, you know, and if we're not too far different or too far worse than them, then we feel okay about ourselves. Yeah. And <laughs> the Jones, I was like, that's an old phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Can I say? <laughs> uh, Go ahead. Mock so, away, David. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, so I'm even like thinking about, there's things like that though, right? Where it's this, there's the, the things that are stated. So Nate, you mentioned like loving God or for the glory of God. And we, you know, we, we slap those on, uh, our slogans on our, you know, websites or whatever it is. I almost said our bulletins, but that's old too. Yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> right. But the, those are the things that are stated, but there's still, even with that, what is, you know, what are the ends that people are actually looking for? Right. What's again, that goes back to the idea of ultimate. Well, there's there's also some assumptions in this because there's certain things that we hold precious, like the Bible, and this is going to probably get a little bit like uh, people could get confused with this. But is Bible study our essential end? Like, is it enough that we have people studying the Bible or our church is biblical? We preach biblical sermons. Is that the essential end to be? like to to talk bible or to transform or to transfer information about the bible is that enough is that ultimate um those are the kinds of questions i think we have to yeah. ask so that gets into even sometimes we can make means exactly ends exactly so uh even thinking about to like going back to our definition for the means versus the end uh the means were uh, if I remember right, the, the 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 way at which we go about pursuing the end. So there's lots of things that could be essential means, for instance, the Bible, but they may not be essential ends in and of themselves. Yeah, and I think another great example of that is like the classic prayer meeting, right? right? I mean, obviously, all three of us here believe strongly in prayer. We prayed right before we started recording this podcast. We've saturated this whole thing in prayer. But for a church to say, you know, hey, well, we have a prayer meeting as if that's it. You know, well, we did accomplish it. Then we have it. You know, is that the end to have a prayer meeting or is prayer helping us move towards the end? And the issue is if we don't think through what is our essential end, then we can actually feel really good about the stuff that we're doing. Like busyness can be our essential end. Mm, I mean, yeah. That, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it would be an appropriate essential end, but for some of us, we would say, but look how busy our church yeah. is. We've that got, church calendar's full. Yeah. It's yeah. full. Well, I mean, Certainly we're doing something good in there, but I would say, do you even know if you're doing something good if you haven't defined what is the essential end that all of this is supposed to be pointing to relentlessly, like clearly, um, identifiably, that everybody in the church would know we know why we do a, a prayer meeting or we know why we're studying the Bible. And the answer is more than just, well, because it's the Bible. Like, what is the essential end that it's pointing towards? 
And when it's interesting as you're you're saying that it's reminding me of a lot of the conversations we've had is that a lot of what we tend to focus on as ends tend to be external things rather than internal things, right? That we, we sure. focus on the, the do's and don'ts or the uh, or in essence, like if we do these things, then hopefully on the other side, a disciple comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot like that. So let's unpack that a little bit, because I think there's a tendency in us to focus on the externals rather than the internals. Um, but what does that end up doing to our churches? Well, I think what that does is it, it makes us makes it easier for us to feel better about ourselves and our ministry if we can have those things uh, and inadvertently end up pursuing those as ends. Uh, and it really guts the heart of our, our church, you know, if those things become the things that are the ultimate goal. There's a, I think, uh, as humans, we continually tend to make everything superficial or everything external, because in that way we can kind of check it off the list and we can say, look, I got that thing done. So it can tend to lead us down that path. But like Alan says, uh, then, then we can find that we're actually very busy, very engaged, um, very driven and yet not effective, that we're not really accomplishing what Jesus would uh, would call us to do. So I, I think we have to really be careful when we take anything and substitute it um, as an essential end when really it is either uh, a means to an end or it's something good, but it, it needs to lead to something else. Uh, we have to be careful of that process. Well, I think you know that's what we're seeing in our culture outside the church, you know, Everywhere we look, there's some big struggle in our culture, and people are making more and more rules so that you can prove that you meet the cultural virtues that are current at this time. So if you do this and this and this, then you are accepted. And if you don't, then you are canceled. (laughs) You know, it's about the externals more than the internals. Yeah. Yeah, I even think back like in a ministry context. So when we planted uh, Iron Mill Church in 2016, I remember uh, just having conversations with our church planters and wrestling through what is our, our vision, like what are we going to be aiming for as a church, and really wrestling through the idea of is what we're going to be doing is are we uh, looking toward what Christ wants to do in such a way that it cannot be achievable on our own strength? And I think when we focus on the externals, one of the things that happens is, is we say, oh, well, I know that I can do these things. Mm -hmm. And so we stay focused on those as opposed to saying, you know what, what is, what is Jesus calling us to? And then recognizing that aiming for something that big, that deep actually requires a supernatural power to it that, that we cannot conjure up on our own. And that's one of the hurdles we have to recognize that if we're going to aim for an internal thing, something beyond external, it's going to require, right? Only Jesus can change. change And it's going to be a little bit messier to get there, you know, and a lot of times, you know, we have to wrestle with issues of grace and, and not just try to have outward conformity. Uh, And that, that, that gets into some territory that is difficult to navigate at times. Im- imagine the impact that as believers we have in the world around us if we're only externally transformed. 
So our schedule gets transformed because we go to church more often or the, the, some of the yeah. activities that we do is different than the world around us. I remember way years ago um, in Ecuador when, when we were serving there and um, someone who was not a believer said, you know, the, the issue that I have with your church is the more that I get to know people that go to your church or to churches like, you, like your church, I find out that on the outside, they're very different than me. But as I really get to know them, as I really get to know what drives their life, what they celebrate, what they really give themselves to, they're really no different than me at all. Um, It makes me think of that Romans 12 thing that we're not to be conformed to this world, but to to be transformed. And I think that we tend to be externally transformed, but internally conformed. So Mm. we are like everybody else on the inside, but we're very different from them on the outside. So if our essential end in church ministry remains something rather superficial or external, I don't think that that really sells well in the world around us when they're not really looking for more activity or more externals. They're going to need something that's a little bit deeper than that. So our our essential end has to go towards something that only Jesus can accomplish and that it really is substantial in terms of the way that we do life, not just like externally do life, but the way that we live our life. Yeah, so we've spent the these moments unpacking what our essential end is not. Let's lean now into because you're you're getting there, Nate. I can I can tell in your in your He's voice. You're getting at the there. Bit. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, so again, this goes back to the question that we started with: What is the essential end of church ministry? And as you heard, there's a shift from external into internal. And as a team, we, we've worked hard at kind of work, trying to work through what really is that end. And I wouldn't say that, you know, we're not saying this is the <laughs> definition. We have perfected yeah. it. <laughs> but we want you to wrestle with this. So, so Nate, lay it, lay it on us. What is the essential end of church ministry? Well, I, I think I have to put something out there that then I, I have to, to actually question. So I, I think that most of us would say, Discipleship is the essential end. We, I mean, that's the Matthew 28, 19 yeah. and 20, that we want to make more and better disciples, or we want to make disciples that make disciples. Um, but, but the problem is, and that's what always happens in this, is that th- when we ask ourselves the question, well, what's characteristic of a disciple? We would say, well, they go to our small group. Right? Or they go to yeah, the yeah. adult yeah. Sunday school class, or they study the Bible. And I think that that we have to dig a little bit deeper of really what would that disciple look like? And and so I believe that the one characteristic of a disciple is he he follows Jesus. He he knows something about Jesus that that transforms the way that he lives our life. So I think that the key word um, that that has to be central in our definition of our essential end is the word transformed. It has to be not just informed, not, not just educated, but it has to be a person that that is a changed person. And when you think about it, I mean, there is this major thread that goes all through Scripture that the, the, the thing that God is doing in people's lives is He is rescuing them. He is saving them, but He's saving them for something, not just 
to, to be saved from something. He's saving them for something. And, and the thread that runs through scripture is he's saving them to be a unique people. He's saving them to be transformed people. So, I mean, I, I could, I could go verse after verse, um, uh, one, one that I love is Galatians 4.19, where it says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I mean, that's an essential end, that, that Christ would be formed in us. That, Or like it says in 2 in Second Corinthians 3, that we would be people that are were transformed into the image of Christ. That when people get to know us, they would say, you know what, you... You are absolutely different than you used to be. I had a friend from mm. college that we um, we stayed in uh, in this friendship with this uh, young lady all our life till now. She's a, a friend of mine, and what she has said to to me repeatedly is, "You know the thing, Nate, that's so like unusual about you is that you are so different than what you used to be." And the like as time goes on, I just see that you are a different person now. Like, what if she would say that the difference in my life is mostly because, um, like, um, you're older, mature, more yeah, mature. Like I have less hair. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's really not going to work. What what we're shooting for is that there's something that is transformed in our life that we end up looking more like Jesus. So, I didn't really give a definition of what an essential end, but I'm pointing to things that I think are absolutely the essential. Like, our churches have to be full of people who are transformed into the image of Christ somehow. Yeah, and I think it's important in that definition of transformed to say, we're not talking about improved. We're not talking about this person only better. Talk, transform implies like it's completely changed or it's, you know, it's, it's moved from being one thing to becoming something else. There's, there's hard issues underneath all this though. If we're going to have a transformed be a transformed person. There's also things that are going on that are keeping us from getting there. Uh, like, you know, I think we don't really deal straight on with sin, you know, and, and it's, and it's rootedness in our heart, uh, or we let things like shame get in the way of that. And then people don't want to deal with it because they're not willing to come into the light of God's mercy. Uh, and those things really build up a wall from people being willing to engage in being transformed. So I'm going to lay out the the definition that we kind of worked on. I know there's people listening that would say, I just want just give me the definition so we can we can work with that. So uh, here's what we came up with and we'll try and break it down a little bit. Uh, but we said the essential end is whole heart transformation, being with treasuring and becoming like Jesus through mission and trial that is evidenced by. When what is big to Jesus becomes big to me and it changes me in the areas of life I think about most, it's evidenced by personal, identifiable, gospel-based response and it's evidenced by a visible presence, which is, is what we mean by that is God's people displaying God's kingdom in the world around them. There's a lot That's there. a lot to unpack there, that's for sure. We have a lot to work through. But that's what these episodes are for, right? So <laughs> Yeah, so our our we're not don't plan on unpacking that entire thing right this second yeah. uh, in just this episode. But let's talk about some of the pieces that are there, right? The whole heart transformation that Nate was getting at, getting at before. That's not just, you know, we're not going away from external to internal. Uh, talk to me about being with treasuring and becoming like Jesus. 
So um, I really like the phrase, um, and it, it's it's associated with what you're saying, that um, I'm a transformed person when what is really big to Jesus becomes really big to me, and that that's heart transformation. Like, it's now important to me. It's valuable to me. What before was secondary has now become primary. What's really big to Jesus becomes really big to me, and that value shift changes me particularly in the areas of life that I think about the most. So what am I consumed by? If I'm consumed by my work or if I'm consumed about my relationships, being a transformed person means in those areas that I think about the most, I'm being changed because there's this process of knowing what's really big to Jesus and it literally is changing my value system. I'm, I'm really thinking that these things that before were not such a big deal have become a really big deal to me. And, and, and I firmly believe that the New Testament teaches that when my heart changes, my value system changes and that starts to influence the way that I do life. But the key is that that changes me in the areas of life that I think about the most. Yeah, and that's where that response comes in, right? Because you realize, okay, my value, or the, even as we might recognize in our own lives, the fruit of that value in our own lives uh, is not tied or connected to faith in Christ. And so we, and the response to that has to become, well, this is what I think is big to me, but really I'm finding out this is what's big to Jesus. So now how am I going to respond to that? Am I going to respond in faith and repentance, believing that what's big to Jesus is actually what's most important? So in doing that, I have to actually confess that what I think is big to me isn't big, really. When was right. it? Right. And so that's gonna that requires a sense of loss or that's that repentance where I say right. no. By faith, I believe that what is big to Jesus is going to be big to me. And, and we can unpack that in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the classic one, one is, let's say what's really big to me is I'm scared to death to die. Like, that's really big to me. I, I think about death all the time. And so since that's what I think about all the time, there's something in that that's really big to me. And I, you know, we all have heard many, many stories that many of us then we live our life trying to be a really moral person, a really good person, so that somehow we can demonstrate, look at me, look how good I am, because that that's going to be my car that I don't go to hell, that I don't get punishment after I die. But eventually I come to a place in my life where, where I find out what Jesus has to say about that. And he says, really, your whole life, like it's been about you and your performance. And Jesus says, that's not so big to me. What's really mm. big to me is Jesus's performance and what he has done on my behalf. And somehow my heart shifts and I go, wow, like I've looked at this whole salvation thing in completely the wrong way. And what is big to Jesus, like who he is, what he's done, what he's done on my behalf, that becomes really big to me. And it changes the way that I view my life, particularly as it relates to what's been like, Concerning me is my death. Yeah. That's just a simple, but we, you could go over and over your work, your relationships. When what's big to Jesus becomes big to me, it changes me in the areas of life that I think about the most. And that, to me, is the essential end yeah. of what our church ministry has got to be about. But when you think, too, about discovering what is big to Jesus, 
it, it, this is where the treasuring part in, fits in. I don't think we discover what is big to Jesus unless we actually discover how big Jesus is. And I don't mean just in his awesomeness, because certainly he is awesome beyond our wildest comprehension, yeah. but in his overwhelming, uh, uh, as Peter talks about it, his overwhelming glory and goodness, his glory and excellence, that if we don't treasure him or to, like in Paul's words of, of beholding the glory of the Lord, that leads to our transformation when we discover the beauty of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, uh, his all of his glory and goodness, that actually changes us. And and I think that the the Holy Spirit is constantly working in us to deconstruct our views of, of Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit, and then reconstructing them according to the way they really are. Because the more clearly we see who he is, the more we become who he made us to be. That's 2 Corinthians 3.18, right? right and right. we who with unveiled faces yeah. all contemplate or reflect on the Lord's glory, we're, we're, we're transformed into his likeness. We're becoming more and more like Jesus with ever-increasing glory. That, to me, is an essential. And, and if, I, if I could go back to the whole thing, it, there, it's so easy for something to substitute, like, like try to take the place yeah. of that. So we say, well, our church, we're about Bible study. Well, Bible study is awesome if it leads to a knowledge of Christ that transforms us. But Bible study that is an end in itself leads to legalistic, proud people that are really obnoxious to be with sometimes. Like it's got to change us. It's got to transform us. But that would be the same of any spiritual discipline. That could be that would be true even of actually even true of obedience. If obedience is simply modifying my life to an external standard without ever transforming my value system and what's really important to me because I know Jesus, because I'm personally acquainted with him, unless that happens, even that act of obedience can be a substitute obedience that is something less than what God really is aiming for in my life. Well, and that's what Jesus spoke to again and again to the religious leaders, right? Right. He's saying, you know, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Isaiah says, you know, even your righteousness is like filthy rags because it's an external, a substitute obedience rather than a a heart obedience, which just is driven by love and uh, and awe of who God is. Um, I I often think about the whole idea, the phrase of, you know, do it all for the glory of God. And sometimes we interpret that as we do this so we can glorify God. And I really think Paul is kind of, it's almost like a, especially like in 1 Corinthians 10, it's like an eruption at the end of that. It's like, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. It's like a, it's like, it's an eruption that Mm. because he's so great, not Mm. to give him glory, but because he's so great, do all of it for him. And that excites me and that transforms me when my life is motivated by the greatness of God. So we've talked about a lot of the pieces of our definition, except for the last part there where we actually uh, said through mission and trial. You want just speak to that for like two seconds. And and that's something we're going to be unpacking throughout the podcast as well. Yeah, that's been one of my uh wonderful discoveries along this journey here. I, I think it's one of those things that I knew intuitively, but until it got clear and throughout our conversation, uh, I'm looking forward to unpacking that in future episodes, as like you say, but we just recognize that if we're, that the real way that we're changed is when we're actually participating in mission with Jesus and then walking with him through all the trials of life. And without those, we really aren't transformed. 
And as we've kind of done the trial run of that definition on a number of people, some people say, why, why that? Um, so we'll, we'll have a, a lot of time to talk more about it. I think what's important um, also in our working definition of what is the essential end is we are not in any way trying to say what uh, every church out there is supposed to have as their essential end. This is really the fruit of our dialogue as a team. I think what's more important isn't that people land where we land, but that they do the hard work of asking over and over of everything that we do and everything that we point towards in church ministry, is that the essential end? Is it our single, identifiable, ultimate, lofty outcome that we are relentlessly aiming at and that we're only satisfied when we move towards that? So if it's not transformation, heart, you know, wholehearted transformation into the image of Christ, if that's not what it is, um, then, you know, whatever. But but the, the important thing is that people really give serious thought and dialogue to what they believe the essential end is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- mm-hmm. this is such an important conversation because it affects so much. I mean, even just a moment ago, you were talking about, you know, the Bible study, right? If it's if the end of that, out, if the outcome of that is not transformation on a heart level, then what are we doing it for? Yeah. Right, and you could go with any of those things that we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that are substitutes. So like, let's say our church pews are full and we've got lots of people in that room, but they're not known in the community as transformed people. Like what happens if the characteristic of those people that gather on Sunday morning is that they're really known to be something other than transformed people? Like, should we celebrate that our pews are full? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love yeah. it because when you start, when you when you when you get to that spot of saying this is the end or this is what we're aiming for is the end, it changes That's so right. much. I mean, really, uh, I, I love I love dreaming about what would it look like if if you know those things were the end. And one of the things that comes to uh, to mind for me there is we would we would really sit down and we would rethink church. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing when we gather? Yeah when throughout the week, what does it look like to be the transformed people of Jesus in your community? I remember um, when I first started to pastor in New Jersey. um, And uh, so I stepped into a church that did clearly did not have this as their essential end of church ministry. And I remember I visited one of the adult Sunday school classes and it was a good class uh, to a certain extent, like they studied the Bible well, they had good dialogue about what the text was saying and seemed, you know, really good. They had about 10 minutes last, left in the class and the, the teacher uh, was following a guide and, um, and the guide led her to ask certain life application questions. Um, so really about transformation, about what, what, we, what would we be like if we were God's people living what this text says? And she literally came to the point in the teaching where she said, yeah, we don't talk about that in our church. Wow. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like yeah. the most, for me, like the most important outcome is that we're going to repent, that there's going to be some shift in our value system that's going to change the way that we live and that we're going to actually talk about that and, yeah. and really dive in deep as, as a community of believers of what does this mean for our life so that we'd be true. And she said, yeah, we don't do that in our church. Wow. And yet they could be so puffed up and proud that they had done Bible study, but they missed the end of what the Bible study is all about. 
Yeah, I, I when I think of what's different in that in that same vein, I think of Paul's words in Philippians two, where he says that they worked out their salvation with fear and trembling. There's a sense right. of like just honesty of of God, what are you doing in exactly. us? Yeah. Uh, exactly. And I love what comes after that, right? He says, so that you might shine like stars in the universe. There's a sense of that mm, transformation yeah, leads yep. to something, not just changing in us, but then what comes out of us is totally different. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Jesus was pretty straightforward, you know, when he said that eternal life is knowing you, the only true God and, and Jesus Christ and you have sent we don't get knowledge of God for the sake of having knowledge of God. Knowledge gives life. And if you're getting knowledge and it's not creating life in you, then you're not getting knowledge for the right reason. And and it's got to, I think it's got to have that worshiper wow impact yes. that you were talking yes, about earlier. Exactly. Like, like this is not just knowledge of a list of stuff that I'm supposed right. to do. This is knowledge that reflects a person and yeah. reflects both who he is and what he's provided for my life that can alter the way that I live. And when I get that, it's like this aha moment of, wow, if that's true, it could change the way that I live. That's what we've got to aim at. And I think that statement is exactly right. We, we have to say, wow, if that's true, what does that actually mean about how I look at life? Because oftentimes we don't answer that question. We act as if it's like, okay, I have this category of knowledge about God now without actually saying, if it's true, what does that actually mean? And that's where it transforms us. Uh, knowledge of God is meant to be transformative. So I love to ask the question, like, what would it look like if a church ministry became crystal clear in its focus that the essential end of everything that they do was aiming at wholehearted transformation so that we would become more and more like Christ for the sake of, for you know, for, so, so that we could love others better. Like, what would that look like? And I start to think of, like, every program of the church. Yeah, elder leadership, yeah. eldership, mm-hmm. uh, you know, family ministry, kid, you know, everything would begin yeah. to change. Right. Yeah. And we wouldn't be satisfied with the event for the event's sake. So, you know, as great as, uh, you know, outreaches are where we're delivering baskets of food to people in need or where we're doing some kind of gathering in the park or we're doing VBS, as, as, as great as events are, we would recognize that those events serve a greater purpose, that they don't just, they're not an end in themselves and we don't just land at thinking, hey, hip, hip, hooray, we had the event. No, we'd be asking ourselves the question, are we growing and becoming more like Jesus and are others growing and becoming more like Jesus because of their involvement in that event? And then I think that it just becomes normal for us to talk about how knowing God, knowing Jesus, knowing the Holy Spirit changes our life. Uh, and I, you know, it breaks my heart. I've experienced it in my own church throughout the years at various times. I've experienced other churches that it, it becomes very easy for people to talk about Jesus when they're supposed to, but when they don't have to, then they stop talking about him. And that just kind of indicates a little bit of how we've separated these things you know okay we've now done church we've now worshiped we've now listened to a sermon but it's not overflowing into the rest of our lives and that's what jesus is aiming for us to see happen because he is so glorious so i want to throw something on you guys that i i don't think uh i don't think we've talked about it but um but i'd like to see your thoughts on it um the the phrase goes like this it for any individual for any church, for any 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 kind of social organization at all, um, it would be true to say that what we are currently experiencing 
is the natural outcome of the design of our efforts. In other words, generally speaking, we get what we aim for. Generally speaking. Now, I, I think that that can go a little bit too far, but the whole idea is um, our current churches, our churches are currently structured aiming at something. And we usually get what we're aiming for Mm -hmm. in that. So if we aim for events, if we aim for programs, then really our life in, in, in pastoral ministry is going to be about keeping those programs going. But if we come to a place where we say, wait, what is my end? And how can I structure, how can I organize our ministry around that end? recognizing, of course, that it is a supernatural thing. Like, we can't transform anybody. We can't make anybody become like Christ. But if we can say, really, the end of what we're doing really is wholehearted transformation so that we become more and more like Christ in in the areas of life that we think about the most, if we aim at that, it will shift everything that we do so that our structures are, are, are clearly, strategically laid out to that end. Otherwise, we're going to be aiming at something else, whether we define it or not. I, I would 100% agree with that, honestly, as, as I, you know, first time hearing you say it like that. But I think others have said that <laughs> our churches or organizations in some cases are currently designed perfectly for the results we're That's currently right. having. That's right. Yeah. You know, so, so, you know, the result, if we can be honest about the actual results that we're That's seeing, right. we're going to realize that what we're doing is perfectly arranged right. to get those results. That's right. So, if, but if we change what we're really aiming at, like you're saying, then it is going to change everything else we do. Yeah, you said it a lot better than what I'm saying, but that's what I'm, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm hard. aiming for. That's right. <laughs> and, and a lot of that comes down to expectation, right? Sure. Because yes, you, right. you feel does. like if, yes. if you expect something yes. and then it goes according to the way that you expected, you tend to walk away feeling good. Yeah. And if it doesn't, you feel bad. Where, but your entire, whether you feel good or bad is entirely dependent upon your expectation. So even if your expectation is wrong, you can walk away feeling good, even though the expectation sure. uh, is not but When the people right come one. to a worship service, do they expect to experience God or do they expect to be changed by God? Hmm. That's a big difference, hmm. right? right? You know, but it happens all the time. People come expecting experience, not necessarily transformation. I, I think, I think when you shift and start to ask questions around essential ends, it changes the whole way you view church yeah. ministry, you start to ask different things. Like you don't, you don't say like, what are other churches doing or what's the latest fad right. or what's the <laughs> book that's out there or are our people happy? Or you start to ask yourself questions that are associated with the essential. And that's why I think this conversation is so important. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I, I think in the first episode we said, we need to stop asking are getting looking for new answers to old questions. We need to start asking new questions. Mm. So as we wrap this up today, uh, someone listening saying, wow, uh, <laughs> this is a lot to unpack. It is. What are some questions or some things that you would say to them as a way forward uh, that you'd like them to think through a process? Maybe these are things that we're asking or, or thinking through. What would you pass on to them? I think a great question would would be, um, what does it look like to be a transformed people? If if we were to be people that are increasingly imaging Jesus in our community, what would that what would that look like? How would we know that that that's actually happening? Yeah, and I think another thing is, how do we see the gospel? You know, 
over and over again, I, I run into people that just see the gospel as a ticket to heaven. You know, it, I received, I repent of my sin, I received Jesus, and then I'm done with repenting because I've now been received this ticket to go to heaven when I die. But we've, we've forgotten that the gospel for all is for all of life, right? We say it around here all the time that the, the gospel is not just a message that saves us, it's also the truth that transforms us. And even our Alliance founder, A.B. Simpson, he didn't give us a ticket to heaven gospel. He passed on to us a fourfold gospel mm-hmm. that is for all of life. And do we embrace that? You know, that the gospel, as Tim Keller says, is not just the ABCs of the Christian life, but it's the A to Z of the Christian life. That makes a big difference in how we approach this matter of transformation. That's right. Yeah. In that, in that same way, too, what are the things, the barriers, uh, the idols, the values that prevent us from pursuing whole heart transformation? Like, and some of that's going to be individual to a person or to a, a church context. But really, what are the things that are there? Is it fear of standing out? Is it fear of, um, you know, what if it's not successful? Or I mean, there's so many things that it could be. But we have to be honest about identifying those things and saying, God, change this in us. Mm-hmm. Don't just change yeah. us externally. Yeah. Change us internally. Well, as- can, can you imagine a pastor listening to us and he, he, he starts to think about, what well, if I change my church program, what are people going to say? Well, well, often the, the opinions of people can be a ruling influence in our life. And we say, I can't give myself to what's really essential because I got to make these people happy. Mm-hmm. That's going to have to be challenged. Yeah. And that's really a gospel issue. It, it's heartbreaking, but it's real in our churches. Another question I think is, uh, it's a bit rhetorical, but I, I, I don't mean it as rhetorical. But, you know, when's the last time that you, you got a revelation of who Jesus was that it actually changed you in an area of life that was like that you think about a lot that 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 really personal knowledge of the person of Jesus actually transformed your life what yeah. would that look like to know Jesus intimately like that and in that same way like what area maybe you've recognized an area of your life that needs transformation and you pursue Jesus to say change this yeah. Yeah. yeah change this make it different yeah and i think that goes hand in hand is that we we still tend to live a compartmentalized life because we're doing the substitute obedience instead of seeing like we've been invited, you know, in Peter's words, to live in partnership with the divine nature, That's right. to participate in the divine nature. That And then that gives us everything that we need for life, life and God. Absolutely. It's so it's all of life with God, That's right. with all of God. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that is amazing. Uh, but do we actually see that that way, or do we just have these Christian checkboxes that we try to check off? Well, everyone, uh, we're Woo. so glad that you uh, listened in with us today. I hope that even through this, you hear the energy uh, and passion that we have for talking about these things. So in today's episode, we shared with you what we believe the essential end for church ministry is, and we would love for you to continue this conversation uh, amongst uh, other workers and pastors uh, with us. Uh, even if you agree or disagree with us, we, we <laughs> so believe that this uh, idea of pursuing what is essential is so valuable uh, for you and your church. It impacts so many things. We want you to continue that conversation. Uh, to help with that, if you go to our website, epdalliance.org essentials, you can find discussion questions. So if you wanted to use this in your church to have some leadership uh, listen to this and then have a conversation with it. We're providing some discussion questions to happen uh, alongside of that. 
So again, thanks for listening. In our next episode, uh, we're going to go to our next uh, kind of piece of this. Is So if that's the essential end and we recognize what is in our church or life is not towards that end, how do we respond? What do we do? How do we move forward in that? Or what in our heart needs to change to embrace the essential end? So you'll definitely want to listen in next time uh, as we go towards uh, that. What is a gospel-based response uh, to this essential end? So again, thanks for listening to the Essential uh, Podcast. Uh, We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Essentials. To join in our conversation, please visit epdalliance.org slash essentials to find discussion questions for your church and more content related to increasing gospel impact. We hope you will join us for our next episode.